Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that when played backwards at high volumes will knock small birds out of the air. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's episode four of the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining 45-minute weekly broadcast coming to you from PipesMagazine.com. I'm your host, Brian Levine, and boy, I gotta tell you, what a week it was. What a show this is gonna be. We're gonna start off, I'll talk a little bit about pipe tobacco. Start getting into the basics of pipe tobacco. Got an interesting conversation with professor, composer, Dan Locklear, and fellow pipe smoker. Later on in the show, I will tell you what happened at the Richmond Pipe Show this weekend that still got me tired, but I'm catching up slowly. Got some music from a uh, pipe enthusiast himself, and mailbag rant and all that. Coming up on episode four of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Welcome back. It's the Pipes Magazine radio show. I'm your host, Brian Levine. All right, the last couple of weeks we talked about pipes. Now we're going to get into my favorite part of it, the tobacco. I'm much more of a tobacco guy than I am a pipe guy. I know a lot about pipes. I know what pipes I like. I spent a lot of time with tobacco. So let's break it down. I'm going to go through this kind of quick so that we can touch on the basics so that we all know what we're starting with. Maybe in future episodes we'll get in further. To start off with, there are three basic types of pipe tobacco leaves, Virginia, Burley, and Oriental. I'm going to speak in broad generalizations, but every type of tobacco that is used in a pipe tobacco blend is either a Virginia, a Burley, or an Oriental leaf. The blends that we have break down into three basic types, aromatic, Virginia, and English. Now, let's go back and describe even further All right, what is a Virginia leaf? A Virginia leaf tends to be a very large leaf, golden in color. A burly leaf is a little smaller, a little browner, and less golden. And an oriental, orientals are Latakia and Turkish and a couple others that I can't think of right now, but they are the smaller condimental leaves. When you're talking about blends, the three types, aromatic, Virginia, and English, Aromatic indicates that it has a flavoring added to it, an aroma, a top note, a casing, whatever it is, it's usually a food-grade additive that enhances the smoking. A Virginia is a blend that is 
based of Virginia tobaccos, can have perique in it, which, by the way, perique is technically a burley that's been processed, but it doesn't have an artificial flavor. Now, I'm going to shock you and tell you that there are some Virginias out there that have sweetener added to them. The sweetener comes in a form of pectin or another sweetener like that to help hold a flake together or to help make the leaf sweeter tasting. An English tobacco is, and this is broad broad terms that I'm talking in, an English is any tobacco that is not a Virginia, not an aromatic, doesn't have a top note flavoring to it. It's primarily a Virginia-based tobacco, but it has Latakia in it. Latakia is an oriental leaf that is fire cured over a flame and darkened and adds that smoky flavor. Personally, not my favorite. You're a little scary sometimes. You know that. Brilliant, but scary. Lots of people like them. Most people in the United States smoke an aromatic tobacco. About 90% of the tobacco sold in the U.S. is aromatic. It has a top note. It has a casing sauce to it. Don't look down your nose on the aromatic smokers if you're one of the elitists that only smoke Virginias or Englishes. Remember, the idea of pipe smoking is that you're smoking something that you enjoy. If it's an aromatic, if it's an English, smoke it. Not my cup of tea, but then again, I don't work for the emperor of China. Now you get further involved in it. Most aromatics have a Cavendish, which is just a Virginia or a Burley that is pressed and steamed under pressure. If you press them far enough and long enough, you can press them into a flake, which is a 12 by 12 inch square block of tobacco that's been pressed under a large amount of pressure and then run through a cutting machine to cut into the flakes. A spun cut or rope cut, kind of lump them into the same. They might, might be different in your mind. That's what Escudo is. Uh, Gaweth Hogarth does a lot of those ropes where it's a round piece of tobacco that was originated back in the mining days in Ireland. Ribbon cut. Ribbon cut is probably my favorite style because it's relatively easy to pack. It's already, it was once a flake or once a pressed cake that is already spun out, ribboned out, and cut and shredded makes it easy to pack for you. Now we've gone over them quickly. That's the basics of pipe tobaccos. There's a lot of little nuances in between. Lots of gray areas. Lots of aromatics that have some Latakia in them. Lots of English blends that have a little bit of a top note to them to make the room note a little bit more pleasant for those around it. Nothing is set in stone. Everything is open for your own interpretation, but those are the basics, and I like to, I like to set that out as a simple ground rule. And again, my idea is, is that I want everybody to smoke whatever they enjoy, whatever makes, whatever gives them pleasure. Try a whole bunch of stuff, but don't be forced. If you're, if you're not a Latakia guy like I am, I tried a long time to try to like English blends. I just didn't do it. It was painful for me. It didn't work out. I found what I like. Find what you like. Enjoy what you like. If it gives you pleasure, keep doing it. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. 
Hi, this is Russ Willett, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back to the Smokefield Recording Studio here at my office. I want to make sure and let everybody know that when I talk about pipe basics, or like last week when we talked about uh, when we talked about estate pipes, or just now when we talked about pipe tobacco, I've been in the business for a long time. A lot of this is foundation of knowledge that I've gained over the years. I also have my own opinion. You're welcome to my own opinion. I'm the leading expert on it, but I don't want you to take my opinion as the gospel or written in stone. I want everybody to engage in the discussion, explore, learn for themselves. But a lot of what we're doing with these pipe basics or these uh, these segments that are leading off each show is just giving us a foundation that we can discuss on and share information with. All right, with that out of the way, coming up in the show in just a minute, Dan Locklear, pipe smoker, composer, professor. Later on, again, a rant, music from Keith Moore, a report on the Richmond Core Expo. In the meantime, I want you to sit back and enjoy this. You really want to know what love is? Yeah. Yes, tell us. More than anything in the world, Ron. Well, it's really quite simple. Kind of like, gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Picking up is working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together make a sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Skyrockets in flight Afternoon delight You guys have it, I think Afternoon delight I don't know, Ron That sounds kind of crazy Sounds like you have mental problems, man. Yeah, you got mental problems, man. Yeah, it really does. Man. Afternoon delight. All right, welcome back. What you are about to hear is in no way a professional interview. What I consider this to be is a conversation amongst two friends talking over a couple of pipes. I first met Dan Locklear at the Richmond Pipe Show. It was about 10 years ago. Dan is the composer-in-residence and professor of music at Wake Forest University here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Dan is also a dedicated pipe smoker. He travels everywhere with his pipes. Every one of the CD covers that he does for his albums all feature Dan proudly smoking a pipe. Dan is also a working, commissioned classical composer who regularly is creating brand new pieces of music 
all the way from organ music up to full orchestral music, whatever the request is. To find a living, working composer that is regularly commissioned is as rare as being able to find a professional astronaut. Dan and I get together, we sit down, we always have a pipe with us, and the conversations ensue. What you're about to hear are excerpts from the conversation that I had with Dan Locklear at his studio. introduction to music was it through the church yeah it was because as a kid um, I heard choral music within the church that I grew up and also the organ um, and yet I, I composed early on I also played the trombone I was a, a sub trombonist uh, for the Charlotte Symphony as a matter of fact and I was in high school and I was a second trombonist and uh, I was first chair in the, the youth orchestra, and I played in my uh, the high school orchestra. And so I was actively playing as an ensemble player, too, as a trombonist, as well as an organist and as a pianist. Uh, I was also uh, getting chops as far as conducting. I had my first church post at age 14, and it was a fully professional post as organist. And so that's, you know, Bach was an organist, and we always hold Bach up for good reason as being the foundation of Western music as we know it. So there's certainly a, a, a good mentor there. And Bach was also a pipe smoker, so I don't know if that came hand in hand with <laughs> with it all. But um, Bach and Handel both were, were pipe smokers. In my fact, of course, Bach wrote that famous poem on the uh, Ode to Tobacco and uh, where he lauded the pipe. But um, my musical background was extremely varied. I, I also had a rock band when I was in high school, and I was uh, loved the Beach Boys, still do, and um, very much was attuned to what was going on in the pop world, too. Had my first taste of tobacco, so I was told at age two, and threw up all over the floor. I had a cousin <laughs> who was a cigarette smoker. But I have just always had a passion for the taste of tobacco. You know, some people talk about learning something to be an acquired taste. With me, with tobacco, it was never that way. And I, I experimented certainly for years. That was what I always got caught for doing was smoking, you know, smoking and talking, you know, the two things as a kid. But I could never convince my parents, for instance, that I was not smoking to look grown up. That was the assumption that someone would do that. It was because I genuinely liked the taste of tobacco. Uh, except a very small window of about probably one week. I've never inhaled tobacco. I've always smoked for the flavor, and I think that's what drew me to the pipe because I would um, would try cigarettes, and there was the satisfaction of the flavor was not there. And, and so when I started experimenting with the pipe, uh, I found, like so many people did, you know, the cherry blends of the world, you know, those are the first things. You get burnt tongue. But it didn't stop me from continuing to experiment. In Charlotte, we had an incredible tobacconist by the name of Michelle's. Very short fellow. I can still hear him answering the phone. Good morning, Michelle's. Uh, he was at first a location um, in Charlotte near the square, but when Belk started, well, no, he's down, down actually past what was the old Ivy's, 
And then when he had to, he moved around the corner, which later became the Belk expansion. He went by the name of Mitch. That was what he was named, and he had such a reputation. I have found out afterwards in the industry for just really buying such quality pieces. When he had some of the old barlings, and of course at the time, as I was a kid, I had a church music post, and at age 16, because I had uh, professional obligations, I bought my own car, and I had wheels. So I would go down to Michelle's, and that was about probably the first place that I went to when I could drive. And I went down and looked over his, his shelf, and I was working with um, with a pastor who was actually a pipe smoker who had a leather-covered pipe. And I was really struck by that, and I liked this pastor so much. And I went down, and there was a Sassini leather-covered pipe that Mitch had on his shelf up there. I think it was $15. And I bought that, and it still is in my pipe rack, and I still smoke it. I usually smoke it when I'm out washing the car or something it, it isn't because of that it's just I've kind of relegated it over the years as not one of my pipes that I smoke all during the day it's a little heavier than my normal pipes but it still smokes every bit as good I bought a number of pipes from Michelle and he had a tendency to go to Cheriton and buy seconds or where we bought the Cheriton seconds and that was where I was first introduced to the Cavalier shape and I still have one of the, the, the Cheritons that I got from Michelle, and he had his name you know, added onto it like a lot of tobacconists did. But I only wish that I would have known what I did 10 years after that about Barlings and about so many of the other pipes that he carried. But he carried, he never called a Medico. It was always Frank Medico. You know, he was always very thorough in the names that he had. He had tobaccos, drawers full of things. He introduced me, that was at uh, Lane Limited 0122 um, that Lane had at that time, and I'd never smoked that before. And I was still experimenting with a lot of tobaccos, but it was largely Michelle that was a real inspiration, and he always had an ad on the back of the Charlotte Observer on Tuesdays where he would be in his shop, very tiny man, balding with mustache, holding a pipe and with a little blurb on his shop and uh, there was a writer with the Charlotte Observer by the name of Jack Dunn who was a pipe smoker and he would write these occasional columns on Michelle's and it was just an incredible shop well the other the other twist about Michelle is it was a novelty shop so you know from poo poo cushions to uh, all of these kind of party gags and all it was the pipe shop was in the front part <laughs> and the back shop of it was all these kind of things that if you were doing party things clown kid stuff and all that you know that was the other way that he made his uh, his, his business. I hope you're enjoying listening in on our conversation as much as I enjoyed the afternoon with Dan. Right now, I want to play a movement from Autumn Days, one of Dan Lockler's original compositions.
To find out more about Dan's background, his history in music, and to see a complete list of his uh, discography, you can go to his website. It's Locklair, L-O-C-K-L-A-I-R.com. Now back to more pipe musings amongst two friends with Dan Locklear. Then when I went to New York uh, to do my master's, which would have been in 1971-73, it was just an incredible time in New York. There was Wilkie, Anna Wilkie taught me how to pipe, uh, pack a pipe. The Wilkie sisters, of course, as you well know, uh, the, the father didn't have any, any sons, so the sisters really were left to run the shop. And you'd go in that old Wilkie shop, and of course, not only were all these pictures around of all the celebrities and people like Cronkite, Walter Cronkite and others who would come into the shop, but the Wilkie sisters were both holding court. And I just remember them so well. And uh, then you go up the block, a couple of blocks up, and there was the Wally Frank store right on Madison Avenue. And um, I, I remember buying, I was in Amsterdam this summer, and I was just asking about the Hilson brand, which I hadn't heard, and I had heard in some time, and I bought a Hilson pipe from Wally Frank. I was never drawn to Wally Frank uh, for pipe purchases so much, uh, but I did smoke some of his tobaccos, and I just loved going into the shop. But um, then you would go up uh, another block right up to 42nd Street in Madison, um, and that was really the second locale of Lane Limited Shop. The original Lane Limited Shop that I had remembered upon moving there was right across from Grand Central Station. And Herman Lane, I never met him, but he would come into the shop, and I knew who he was, but certain of his employees I knew, and uh, that was where his shop was. And then they moved up to the corner of Madison and 42nd from across from uh, Grand Central. And that was where I was really putting my emphasis because I loved the Cheriton pipes and also loved the, the Lane Limited tobaccos. There was one that he made just in the shop called Majestic Number no. 93. It was really largely Virginia with uh, Latakia and was as smooth as silk, and I just smoked a ton of that. And it was one of the first serious tobaccos outside of moving from uh, from the um, cherry blend, which I didn't smoke all that long, but a lot of the kind of drugstore sorts of blends. Uh, Granger I actually enjoyed as kind of a drugstore blend, and I smoked that for a while. But then when I started Majestic Number no. 93, that was my entrance into English pipe tobaccos. But also on that street, 42nd Street, um, at near Madison was the Peterson shop, and there was an H.C. Peterson right up the way, which eventually became something like with, with pipe and uh, pouch. Uh, but there were two Peterson shops very close to each other, and one of those Peterson shops is now the Barclay Rex shop. But, I mean, New York was just a, just a haven for pipes. There was another shop in Manhattan, too, the Connoisseur Pipe Shop. And, and Barack Shop. Yes, and I remember it was near St. Thomas Church, where I've had a lot of my music, and I've had a lot of real ties with the choir men and boys there. They perform a lot of my music, and even in that day starting to. And the original Connoisseur Shop, and, and Ed uh, always had such an eye for... Uh, for design, you know, the, the the pipes were just beautiful designs, and I never was really, you know, I was not buying those those pipes. And then he moved in his last place to uh, 
six avenues on Avenue of Americas, but um, uh, kind of a real character, uh, but beautiful pipe designs. When, when I get ready to go on a trip, uh, it oftentimes takes me longer to select the pipes and the, and the tobaccos that I'm taking on the trip. When you're going away for a time, if you're going, if you're going to go do a residency or you're going on a trip, talk talk us through your process of getting everything packed up and. Oh, you, I'm just exactly like you, and and my wife will tell you, Paula will tell me that once the pipes are packed, then I'm ready to go. I mean, I may not have the suitcase packed, but the pipes have to always be. Um, I have a number of different pipe cases. I certainly have a ca- or carrying bags. I have the, certainly the one, the strap on it, much like yours is. Uh, I have a German-made one, which I tend to carry more because it, it holds six pipes, and it's just a very soft kid uh, leather that zips around, and it holds pipe cleaners and, and all. And I'll, I'll often take that one, and then I have one of the Costello ones that holds two pipes. So sometimes I'll have the, the six and then the Costello ones. I always get six that I know that I'm going to take, and they're always the ones that would be the well-broken-in pipes, especially if I'm not going to have a lot of time to, to sit around somewhere. Oftentimes when that's the case, I'll take one that has a new one newer pipe where I can kind of be breaking in that. Um, but I, I love buying those carrying bags. So we were in Cologne, Germany several summers ago, and I was in the pipe of uh, the, the house of 10,000 pipes, uh, Henrich, uh, I guess it, it is, and uh, bought an, yet another one that's flat for holding. I think it holds maybe four. And I haven't even used it yet. I always admire it and hold it, but I haven't have it taken with me. But I find that you know, air travel now, uh, the the challenges of the TSA of getting through, you know, all of that. I I try to pack lighter than I ever have when traveling, and I never check pipes, you know, in check luggage. So I find that if I'm going for a relatively short period of time, obviously I need less pipes then. And I also uh, try to have less in my luggage. So, but that six bag, that six zippered bag, is still the one that that I take. And the interior of it is is kind of deteriorated, and I've taken off the interior, and I've, you know it still works. But I, I like you do the same thing. And then the challenge of which tobaccos to take. I, mean, I normally take my regular mainstay tobaccos, but I also like to take a couple of others too. When when you're sitting down and composing. Do you find a difference in the comfort of the acrylic versus the vulcanite stems? Because I I do know that you you, know, you work with a pipe in your I mouth. Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there is there a comfort difference for you? Is there a preference when you're when you're working? No, I don't. I don't really discern that so much. I I like the shapes that are curved shapes when I'm composing, except when I'm standing. Or working at one, I have an architect's desk, and then I have a stand-up desk. And I find that sometimes, if a pipe is too much of a bend, that you can get a lot of smoke up in your face. And I prefer, when I'm actually writing, because you've got to have all of your eyesight focused on that, that I find that smoking a straight pipe on certain days that I'm working in that way is much more beneficial than a curved pipe. But if I'm actually composing at the piano and sitting there to where I'm not bending over something, so that to me is a bigger issue than whether it's acrylic or whether it's vulcanite. 
the vulcanite, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, is a bit softer on the teeth just because it does have give. But I also don't find that the uh, acrylic from... Uh, from the Costello, for instance, uh, is that much different. It is some difference to me, but the Vulcanite is without a doubt the, the most comfortable, but it's that bend, which I really enjoy because it also takes the weight off of a pipe when you have the bend. You know, it's much more effortless in the mouth. But I'll tell you, if you find, if you're over a desk like my stand-up desk for for three hours writing notes in, you can tell it when you're smoking a pipe that if the pipe is burning beneath you and rising up uh, to your, you know, is your eyes, whereas a straight pipe is smoking, is, is away from your face. Can you work without a pipe? I've done it. Um, I, I don't care to do that because it's part of my inspiration. This is Internet Radio. I hope you enjoyed just that little bit of our afternoon together. That was most of the pipe parts the rest of the time we were talking music and spent some time looking at Dan's collection of pipes and hanging out with his dog. And then I joined him and his wife for a pizza later that night. It was a wonderful day. Uh, Dan's a perfect reason why I don't like to talk about what pipes and tobaccos I'm smoking while I'm on the radio. If you want to know what I'm smoking, I'm smoking a pipe. It's got pipe tobacco in it. I'm using a lighter. However, Dan was full of information, and I pulled out the best of the pipe parts for you to uh, dig around with. Now we're going to change gears a little bit, go into a little bit of different genre of music, but many of you will know Keith Moore from his days at Uptowns in Nashville. Keith is also an acclaimed musician and part of a band keith was kind enough to send us this song that is coming out on a new album from his band in uh, december he hopes turkeys in a drizzle Listen to my riddle Look up into the sky As the rain comes down right And I said folks without a vision Watch a lot of television If they're frozen in an armchair pose What they're thinking man nobody knows Turkeys in a drizzle Listen to my riddle Look up into the sky as the rain comes down, right? All right. So you gotta get outside and play with your kids. Maybe spend some time with your wife and friends. Yeah, that primetime show on the screen. Want me to think for your friend in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turkeys in a drizzle. Listen to my riddle. Look up into the sky as the rain Look up into the sky as the rain comes down 
called turkeys in a frizzle the band's name is the wineskins w-i-n-e-s-k-i-n-s wineskins you can uh get on their mailing list by uh friending them on facebook it's the wineskins on facebook keith will keep you up to date on everything that they're doing again keith moore really instrumental in getting a lot of the Danish pipe carvers discovered and one of the more knowledgeable guys around the industry. Follow him on Facebook, check out the band. Sure to be a great album. All right, back to the rest of the Pipes Magazine radio show coming up in a little bit. Mailbag at the end of the show, another rant. Right now I wanted to recap for everybody that wasn't at the uh, Richmond Pipe Show or the Core Show great new venue let me say that again so everybody hears me great new venue yes it was at the downtown convention center the people at the convention center were wonderful and friendly parking was convenient uh the facility itself nice and clean the room was huge probably the most comfortable pipe show i've ever had because we had plenty of room behind the tables there was plenty of room in the aisles They had a snack bar open in the back and several round tables with chairs for you to congregate at when you picked up a sample of tobacco. Lots of companies were there. I do want to say I was a little disappointed, though. There were some folks, that, both exhibitors and attendees, that I look forward to seeing every year at the core show. I didn't see them there. The core club themselves did a great job. They were out in force. Nice to see, maybe from the downtown venue, but there were some younger college kids coming around and in the show. Lots of pipes to look at. I scored a couple of things for myself, including uh, six tins of some 20-year-old Virginia tobaccos. Had a great time. Can't wait till next year's show. I'll be there. I want to thank everybody that came by the Brigham table and visited me. Had a lot of pipes moving, too. Uh, wanted to make sure and say thank you to everybody that uh, did come by and tell me how much they're enjoying the show. Remember, any comments on the show, feel free to post them on the forums. I check them all and read them. And I'll be back in just a minute. Hey, this is Pipe Dave Gabrielle, and you're listening to Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Before we get going with the mail, I want to say a special birthday wish to my niece Lucy, whose birthday was last Monday, and today is my nephew Teo's birthday. Happy birthday, guys. Always happens right around Richmond. Hurricane, or I have to travel, or my sister has a baby. Anyway, hey, uh, Sean622, yeah, Kevin wasn't telling it all the 
truthfully. Um, Greg and I didn't want it to be a uh, NPR-style show, but the way Kevin described what he wanted the show... My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. Was more like that. So where we settled was I'd use my sharp wit. We'd uh, keep it entertaining, keep it lively, keep it sometimes irreverent, but always entertaining. A couple other things. The idea of a webcam, no. The bandwidth required for that is huge. We don't have it. We're going to keep it as an audio show. Again, you want to see what pipes, you know, focus on the pipe that you're smoking. Focus on the road that you're driving down. Enjoy the show in your on your earphones or on your stereo speakers. It's an audio show. That's the way it's going to be. Once again, the show will be every week, every Thursday, a brand new episode at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right on PipesMagazine.com. And then available as soon as iTunes picks it up, which is at whatever time iTunes decides to pick it up. Looks like so far we're averaging about 5,000 downloads per episode. I'm really happy with that. I'm glad to hear that a lot of people are enjoying it. Got contacted on Facebook from a uh, listener of the show listening in Northern Ireland. So we're hitting all continents. Love to hear from you if you're overseas. Let me know where you're listening to the show. Next week, another interview. Not quite sure who we're going to have in yet, but it's going to be fun. Keep in mind, the interviewers, the people that I'm going to interview, they're not always going to be a pipe maker or somebody in the industry. Part of the fun for me is when you get to meet somebody like a Dan Locklear, who is somebody that I would never cross paths with but you get a chance to really get to know them because we are all friends through this thing that we call the Briar Pipe. We all enjoy sitting down, talking, and enjoying each other's company. So, more interviews coming up, a new interview every episode. The uh, past episodes will stay up in an archive as long as we can hold them. There's a lot of data there, but we'll keep them going. Keep downloading them, keep telling your friends about the show. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. We have come to my favorite part of the show. Time for me to unload. So, I'm going to admit something to you. I watch a handful of reality TV shows. They may range from American Idol when it's out to recently I've been watching a lot of these uh, storage auction shows and a couple of pawn shop shows. Well, it finally put me over the edge when I'm watching one of the storage auction shows and... They like to blur out logos, or you'll see them running around. All the people will have uh, black tape or white tape, whatever, covering up the logo on their hat or the T-shirt of the people in the crowd that might have shown up. This past week, I'm watching one of the shows, and what do they do? They've blurred out the Nike swoosh on on somebody's tennis shoes. 
Not only have they blurred out the Nike swoosh, but the blur is in the shape of the swoosh. So now instead of seeing the Nike symbol or the Nike logo on the sides of the tennis shoes, what do we see? We see a blur in the shape of the tennis in the shape of the logo on the tennis shoes. Now, I am going to admit right now that reality TV shows are not exactly what we would consider to be your highbrow educational programming. Okay, I admit it, but I enjoy them. But how stupid do these producers of these shows think we are? I'm watching another show a couple weeks ago, and a black BMW drives up. I know it's a black BMW. It's got the two silver rings in the grill in the front. It's an iconic BMW grill. What do they do? They put black tape over the cover of the BMW hood ornament. How stupid do these people think we are? Why would you spend all that time to make a company that you're filming in a reality show, which is supposed to be based off of real life, pay to be on your show? When in real life, none of us are walking around with our logos blurred out. None of us are walking around with our favorite sports team shirt blurred out. None of us are walking around with little pieces of tape in our pocket in case we happen to come upon a camera and go, oh, I can't have that race team logo here. So I throw a piece of tape on my white t-shirt. All right. So they're not highbrow shows, but come on, let's be real about reality TV. It's entertainment. It's enjoyable. I like watching it, but let's not insult my intelligence. That's what we got for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week's show. Going to be a great one. Remember, come see me at the Las Vegas Pipe Show, the West Coast Pipe Show, first weekend in November. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Portions of this show have been pre-recorded so shit doesn't slip in and the host doesn't sound like such a big idiot.